Welcome, adventurers. This is MuseCast 14, your podcast for everything roleplay in the world of Eorzea. I'm your co-host, Emmy. If you've been tuning into our past few episodes, my other co-host, Remix Sakura, and I, and a trio of Baomong players, discussed what it's like to play on the biggest home to Final Fantasy XIV roleplay, the Baomong server. But we also wanted to talk about the roleplay scene on other servers, and what it's like trying to bring roleplay to those places. We got to talk to three players whose main characters are on small servers. And then, since we happen to run a free company on two of our alt characters, we'll talk about our own experiences on the Lich server. But first, the interviews. Let's get started. All right, let's get started with our first interviewee, Queen Baby of Adamantoys. Great to have you on at MuseCast. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Great to have you here. So here at MuseCast, when we have guests on, we usually like to have them describe their character. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about Queen Baby and her adventures or misadventures on Adamantoys. <laughs> right. Well, uh, Queen Baby is a Dunesfolk Lollafell who uh, hails from Limsa Lamensa. Um... She is, she's pretty bubbly and friendly towards everybody, though doesn't exactly have a good sense of danger or judge of character when it comes to some people. Uh, she runs a restaurant called the Blush Bistro, and everyone pretty much has a good time there a lot of times. She's married to her wife, Project Patanko, Inge. She is a uh, Orazela, and she pretty much encourages all of Queen Baby's antics, but also is her voice of reason. So we kind Aww. of we kind of intertwine their stories together so that it kind of fits into their characters. That's really cool. Yeah. That's cool that you found somebody in game that kind of complements the character well. Yes. Yeah. That's an interesting name now that I think of it, Queen Baby. How did you end up coming up with that name? Uh Queen Baby actually wasn't my first name when I first entered the game it was Queen Clover but afterwards I figured I'd change it because I thought Queen Baby was a cuter name <laughs> <laughs> so it's all about maximum cuteness it is I mean maximum cuteness maximum pink <laughs> so in a recent column in the Moogle post for which you are a regular contributor you described your style of roleplay as very casual. Yes. Tell us about that. So, as you know, my uh, my character is named Queen Baby, but it doesn't follow the rules of Lollafell naming, like how Lollafells tend to have rhyming phonetics and stuff, like Momo D. Momo, or To Lily Lily. So I figured that's just a little too strict. Plus, I tend to use, like, the lore of Final Fantasy XIV as, like, maybe a foundation and then just build off of that with kind of silliness and shenanigans to kind of give a lighthearted approach to the t typically serious stories of, like, the Final Fantasy franchise or, like, kind of stories that people normally go with with their characters. I mean, those are the types of stories that I really enjoy hearing are the lighthearted ones. And not, yeah. I mean, there's a time for like angsty kind of things, but there's also a time for silly things. And I yeah. love, I love seeing that play out. I have to agree, as someone who named their character Natsuki McCatboy, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Now, it seems like the people have approached you like pretty, pretty acceptingly of this lighthearted style. Would you say that a lot of role players, if you found any, Anatomantoys role play in that way? Or are there oh. people there who role play more lore compliantly? Or more seriously, more dramatic storylines, let's say. Honestly, I've gotten more of the casual role players as opposed to the serious ones. But if I'm being totally honest, ER peers outnumber those. Aww. And unfortunately, like some of them are kind of very out in the open about it. We've seen party finders saying, looking for a nice female Lala to enter my sex dungeon. That's crazy. Would you like to see more role players on there who don't ERP? Oh, yes, definitely. Sometimes they're just hidden, and sometimes the ERPers are the ones who are simply the most loud. Yes. Rather than the most numerous. I, I think it's just a case of people don't know how to approach other role players or seek them out. Yeah. It's a recurring problem that we've seen. And even if you have your RP status up, I don't find that that makes people more willing to just approach you. Because it's still like just approaching a stranger. Right. Like you need something else, like a gathering or a bistro. Yeah, you want a bistro? <laughs> yes. Can you tell us about your experiences running that? Oh, boy. All right, with my bistro, I've gotten people from all walks of life and roleplay styles from surprise health inspectors to <laughs> um, snowman and goblin robbers. Ooh. That sounds like quite the lively place. Yes, definitely. But then we have people who just want a quiet place to role play with their significant other. We call those little date nights for them. We have a section Aww. set aside for them so no one bothers them. Of course, we do get trolls who decide, hey, I'm going to role play me stealing their dinner. We've, we haven't had to kick anyone out yet. We, we have pretty good crowd control. I tend to have the maitre d's double as bouncers. <laughs> That's a good way of doing it. Yes. They're sort of undercover. It really does. Because they're, like, they're really polite about it. They're just like, like sir or miss, I'm going to have to ask you to stop doing whatever it is you're doing so that these people can enjoy themselves. Of course, I've, have, I've had to chastise some of them because they will turn around and pull out their weapon on them. I'm Ooh. like, no. Oh, no, that's not allowed. That's no good. <laughs> Uh, no, this is not the Old West. No, it isn't. I'm actually a little bit curious, and I think that some of our listeners may be even more so, but how do places like the Blush Bistro work? Do you actually make in-game items that you exchange for Gil, or do you just, you know, play pretend with everything? It's in-game items with Gil. It kind of... Okay. Um, it kind of adds that... I guess maybe not realism, but it kind of gives substance to what we're doing. Because we, we also produce a menu for everyone with our macros. We say, um, hi, how are you doing today? What can we start you off with? We have lovely menu for appetizers and drinks. Would you like to hear them? Nice. I think that real life waiters must be jealous. They can't just press a button and read off the menu. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if only it were that easy. If only. But no... 
if anything, like the hardest process is actually getting like new employees like integrated into what we're doing and them used to it. Because either they're not used to talking to people or like they can follow directions really easily, but they do not have amical personalities. Hmm. I see. And what do you do in that case to address that? I either tell, like, sometimes they'll get mad if a particular customer isn't starting off the conversation. Like, say they're at the bar, and they're the bartender. Now, bartenders are typically, like, very outgoing or at least approachable in some way and will start up conversation if you're just sitting there. Yeah. Whereas sometimes my bartenders will expect the opposite. I'm like, that can't happen. These people are either new to the experience and want to be welcomed into it or are probably just as just as confused as you are. So it's like try to be as friendly as possible. And even if they are kind of being a jerk, give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed with people that are organizing RP events or RP locations. You kind of have to act as a game master. You have to make an effort to make sure that everything is flowing smoothly conversations stories and it takes a little bit of work and a lot of imagination you know just like being a dungeon master in D, for example but you are able to curate a really fun experience for people if you do it well right so i'm really curious about how you got into role play being from adamantoys this small server that's certainly not known for roleplay. How did you fall into it? How did you meet other roleplayers? I actually didn't start roleplaying on Final Fantasy XIV. It all dates back to all the way back in high school. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me yes. <laughs> Me too, but like middle school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whenever I play a game, I always think of it as just another character of mine to develop and give a backstory and personality to. And I count interactions with, with friends who do the same things. And we kind of do little um, adventure comics or role plays with them to kind of play out how they would be with other people or how they would act in certain situations. And it just happened to be the same way with Final Fantasy fourteen. So when you started the game, you weren't role playing in FF14? No. So how did you kind of get into roleplay in that game, in, in Eorzea? Around the time I got past level 50, I started to realize, hey, I'm starting to get enough money. I wonder what the housing wards are like. And I saw that it was a pretty good place for people to roleplay since they can build whatever kind of house or shop or whatever it is that they want to build inside their houses. When I first built my house was when they had opened up new wards and I thought, hey, I want to finally have my own house. But when I made it, I I was looking at it, I'm just like, what do I do with it? I don't know what I want to do. So I started playing around with it and I said, wait. I just got my little maid costume from the Amazon event. What if I made a cafe? Everyone likes wearing the maid outfits. So when I did, I'm just like, this is really cute. But it would be a shame if no one actually came in here to actually out act out a, a uh, cafe or restaurant. 
what if I just did that? People roleplay on here. And that's pretty much how it happened. I had maxed out my culinarian level, so I thought I'll just make a bunch of food for everybody. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it sounds like you actually brought your roleplay experience from other games into FF14. Right. Like, you started roleplaying because you knew roleplaying is a thing, and you thought, why can't I roleplay here? Exactly. Hmm. That's one way of going about it. But were you aware that there were other roleplayers on the server at that point? I I pretty much knew there'd be roleplayers no matter what game or server you're on. It's just less or more. And I figure make use of the shout and yell parts of the chat, as well as... um. You, making use of the party finder and the Facebook groups of Final Fantasy. And I, I'm sure people would have thought, hey, that's a cool idea. I want to go check it out. At least I was hoping that would be the case, which it was. Yay! Awesome, awesome. So we're going to wrap up this interview with a couple of questions that we asked in previous interviews. Could you first off describe your favorite roleplay experience that you've had? Maybe the most interesting or something that stuck in your mind. And your most challenging roleplay experience that you've had while you're on an, while you're on Adamantoys, and then after that, well, we'll we'll start with that <laughs> favorite and least favorite first. My favorite, it always happens at the bistro. My favorite one would probably have to be, I believe it was one of our busiest nights at the bistro. We have a we have the bar downstairs, and it always turns out to be this huge dance party towards maybe about two hours in and everyone was just having a really good time and one of the people just decided to say hey frozen spirits drinks on me <laughs> and then I was like oh my gosh so I got about 20 of them in my inventory and I passed them out to everyone and oh, I wish I remember who it was but they gave me a a uh, wonderful tip of one million gil. Ooh. Wow. I was so surprised and happy. And then I joined them. As for my least favorite, happened to be when someone decided they wanted to roleplay with my wife. Gasp. And... What happened? Um, they were pretty much snubbing me the entire time, asking my wife to marry them. And divorce me. Oh no! And uh, I could see uh, just—I uh, could terrible. see how uncomfortable my wife was, and I was—I was trying really, really hard not to come off as a jerk or like mean or anything. But like, I was really up to here about it. I'm just like, I'm about to cuss you out, friend. Let's just end this. And they're just like, no, no, let's keep going. I'm gonna see how far I can push your buttons. Mm. Oh, I hate it when people just don't pay attention to like reading the cues like it's one thing if the character is mad but it's another thing if the person behind it is like look you're making me uncomfortable you're making my wife uncomfortable yeah. they mm. had turned out to be a troll so mm. yeah. oh, I see. that's unfortunate it really is yeah a lot of trolls I found on Gilgamesh especially if they hear that you're role playing they automatically assume that you're ERP yes. yeah uh, which does bring up our final question here. What do you think of the potentially negative stereotypes that role players often are linked with? And how do you, I guess, deal with it? 
overcome it, not worry yeah. about it. You said, how do I feel about it? Yeah, and how do you deal with it? Um, typically, whenever people want to judge role-playing as like, oh, you guys just ERP all the time, it's like, no, we don't. It's like, we're just a bunch of nerds who want to role-play out our characters, that's all. Yeah, right. Typically, the best way to deal with, the, deal with it is to inform them, if they'll listen. If you deem it, like, not a waste of time to, like, tell them. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, I mean, with trolls, sometimes it just... There's there's no... No redeeming they actually, <laughs> It's not worth the time. Yeah, if they're actually th just there to antagonize you, then nothing you say is going to deter them. And the more you try to talk sense to them, the more that they'll just... They're like, oh, they're not being bothered. I gotta find new ways to bother them. Exactly. Because that's the point of trolling. You know, and I'm like, well, I guess, you know, you can have fun by ruining other people's experiences, but I feel really bad for you. Yeah. Yeah, but we ask because these are things that all of us, to one extent or another, have to deal with at some point. And we all want to find ways to just come together, understand that we're just trying to find another way to have fun in the game. And it doesn't harm anybody. It just enhances our experience. Exactly. You know, it's unfortunate that these things happen. But, of course, in MuseCast, we want everybody to know out there that if you like roleplay, you are awesome and you do not deserve to be trolled or made fun of or anything like that. You're awesome. Right. <laughs> and you're awesome, too, Queen Bee. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. And you can definitely find more of her artwork in the Moogle post every month. Definitely we've tweeted them out before, but check out MoogleMedia.com if you want to see more of that cute pink-haired Lala. Yes. <laughs> I'm not hard to find. Well, you can see her in-game on Adamantoys. Yeah, where is the Blush Bistro located? The Blush Bistro is located in The Mist, Ward 7, Plot 29. Yeah, why not give her a visit if you are on Adamantoys and you want to find other friendly role players? Do it. <laughs> yes, Do it. please. <laughs> Make sure to check the party finder around 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday nights. <laughs> That's a good way to spend a Saturday. <laughs> Please come. Yeah. Well, thank you. thanks for joining us again. No, thank you for the opportunity. Wow, we had a lot of fun interviewing Queen Baby, but with us we have a second interviewee now. It is Zyke from the Diablo server. Um, so if you could just give us a little bit of information about yourself, maybe your character too. Sure thing. So I'm Zyke. I'm from the Diablo server. Full name is Zyke Lancian. Um, I've been doing RP for a long time, and um, but not so much on in FF14, really. Um, a lot of it's been experience from other games or other, other mediums. Um, it's unfortunate, but... In Diablos, there's not a lot of people that roleplay. It's it's pretty barren. So even though I'm a big roleplayer and I and it's something that I really enjoy, it's not really something I get to do a whole lot. And it's something I'm really trying to build on on the server. I'm trying to build more of a roleplay community, um, and hopefully get get people to to come together around that. But right now, it's 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 a, it's a struggle. It's it's a, a big work in progress. Oh, that's sad to hear. Why do you think that might be? Um, I think a lot of it is people's maybe shyness, but I mean, there's not a lot of people to start with. I mean, on the server, there's just not very many RPers to begin with. 
just because it's it's a smaller server and it's not one that just that it's just the the culture is not one of that of RP. But it, it's also I think it's equally part of just the people who do just don't really have the networking capable to to really find each other. Um, so uh, a little while back, a couple months back, I, I tried creating this RP link shell because even though there's a few RP guilds here and there, they're all really small and they're all like five or less members who are generally only only want to RP with each other. And and usually that means you know they only want to do some sort of ERP or romantic RP with each other, and they they don't really want to do some something public or something with more people, which, I mean I don't have anything against that, but it's really not not what I'm going for. Um, I want I want to be able to to create some sort of community, some sort of hub for 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 more people to be able to network with each other, and. A lot of it, I mean, some of it may be RP inexperience. The people I have talked to, some, you know, some seem really inexperienced with RP, which is fine. I don't mind teaching, but a lot of it stems down to, to shyness and not really wanting to put your foot forward with it. At least that's the culture I've seen in, on Diablos. Yeah, and it, it seems like, at least from what you're saying, like, some people are interested in ERP, but it should be noted that ERP is sort of a subsection of RP, I suppose, and there are a lot of people like you who might not want to to do that. So I can definitely, I can see why that would be hard. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I understand the allure of it. You know, everybody everybody wants to have sex. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an urge, but it's, you know, naturally just due to the nature of it, it's something very private, something that you don't really get to do to do publicly and something that naturally is very inclusive and something that you don't really get a lot of different people joining in on and so you know it's harder to build that network it's harder to bridge that gap between people like maybe someone does ERP or or even just normal RP with one person or maybe you know maybe it's their it's their spouse or, or a small group within their their guild or their FC, excuse me, old old uh, MMO terms. Um, but <laughs> this is it's a small group within their FC, but they don't really, you know, have anybody else to to do that with, or are scared to show that with more people. And I, I think getting to pull these people out and maybe show them that there are other people that are sort of in the same place, um, you know, as far as experience goes, or or at least people that are friendly. I think that might go a big way to sort of bridging the gap because I know the people are out there. It's just hard to draw them out. Yeah. Maybe you could talk about like some of your efforts that you've made to yeah, get in touch sure. with people. Yeah, sure. So like I was saying, uh, a couple months back, I had this RP link shell that I tried making. Now, before that, I'd sort of been bouncing from guild to guild to guild because um, I'm not really a person that stays in, in one FC just because nobody really suits my interest. I mean, I have some friends that I do raiding with because that's what I end up doing now is I just end up sort of, sort of raiding a lot. But it's not really where my passion is. Um, I, I, I've tried to, to sort of announce in, in the popular areas of the world, you know, go to the popular cities and, and just announce that there is this RP link shell so anybody who's interested in it. And the RP tag has, has made things a bit easier. But there's still a lot more work that can be done. There, the, the fact there's no real good way to search for for RP people aside from if they have the RP tag on. Um, 
that that makes things hard. It, it makes it harder to to be able to to locate the really the people I want to. And it really doesn't help the fact that some people have the RP tag on to troll. There's I, I don't know if this is an across the board thing or if it's just a Diablos thing, but there's a lot of trolls. There's a lot of trolls. And 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 a lot of people just have the RP tag on just for the sake of it. To to, to troll people, because I think it's funny. And that makes it really harder to to, to filter out those those sort of people. It makes it considerably harder to actually find the good people that I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. On Gilgamesh, I think that's kind of similar where maybe it's sort of similar for you on Diablos, but I've heard people say RP is raid progression, right? Mm, mm. So yeah. they put that on just to kind of joke about it. And... I think it's lessened to some extent nowadays, but when that tag came out, you would hear that all the time where people would have that thing on. They're like, yeah, raid progression, raid progression. It's not raid progression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not everybody reads the patch notes. Not, not everybody is that, you know, ardent about it. Um, there, there's been a couple people here and there that, like, didn't know what it was or didn't know what I was doing. Like, hey, what's that tag? Or, hey, what are you doing? And I explained to them and say, oh, oh, that's that's pretty cool, you know, that the Thanks for giving me the information, and I appreciate doing that. I appreciate teaching people, you know, about stuff. Even though I'm not really a teacher or consider myself much a, much of a teacher, it's sort of the role I ended up doing. Uh, in other MMOs I played before I played FF14, um, when I was in more active roleplay servers or roleplay games, I would sort of end up becoming the guy that would that would teach new people how how to roleplay. Um, you know, that, that would sort of hold RP classes or like beginner RP events to, to sort of show people and get them into this world. And some people liked it and continued on. Some people didn't. But I, I enjoyed doing that, being able to show as many people as possible, at least an introduction to, to the world. And I think I could maybe do the same sort of thing on Diablos. I would just need people, need some way to network and get people to put their best foot forward. And maybe show them, you know, with some sort of RP class or so, um, about just an introduction to, to the world. You know, the world of RP, not the world of FF14. <laughs> that sounds pretty great. You were saying that you had experience with RP and other MMOs. Which other game would you say would be a good model of what you want to see in FF14? Um, well, the best model I can think of uh, would be... Neverwinter. Uh, Neverwinter had its own share of problems, but it was a game that was designed with RP in mind from the get-go. And that's one of the things that I really did like about it. Because um, I, I, I played it for, for the RP. I mean, the combat was decent, but it wasn't great. But it was a game that was fully populated by RP guilds and all sorts of RPers. But, you know, it had some share of problems with primarily ERPers. But that's where I got my big start. Even though I RP'd in other games beforehand, The Old Republic is a good example. But I think Neverwinter did a really good job of networking people together. They had lots of different ways to search for guilds, uh, lots of different ways to search specifically for RP guilds. They had like minor different search tags within the roleplay tag in their guild search function. And you could easily send a message or a request just from that whole search function. To, to get the specific type of guild you're looking for or to even get more information about it. And I think that that sort of model would be really, really great to be able to network people together. But additionally, 
they also had just a thriving bar space. You know, the every, every game has a, has a bar, but the one in, in Neverwinter was just constantly populated with people. Some were just AFKing, some were trolling, but the vast majority were, were there to RP, and that sort of thing really helped foster communications. And I think establishing that sort of public spot would be a key step in, in bringing people together. Very interesting. We were talking, um, especially in our previous episode about the Balmung server, about how many public spaces in FF14 are frequented by role players. You know, the bars, taverns, the missing members, Seventh Heaven, etc. Of course, in addition to that, there are a lot of player-run taverns. But you're saying in this game, sort of the developers set up spaces intended for players to RP in. Yeah, that's that's correct. Back back in Neverwinter, the developers did have RP in mind and specifically set up a whole like zone for for role players that was instanced outside of the normal town and outside of combat. Um, so it really gave you the sense that this area is for RP and there was a lot of different things to do in that area. And I think so. One thing I've tried to do in the past in FF14, bringing it back around is I tried setting up like this player-run bar night because one of, one of the people I talked to when I was setting up this link shell, she was really receptive to it and she was trying to help. She I helped her get her house set up and so we set house up like a bar and tried to have sort of this player tavern thing. And it worked pretty well once. I mean, we got, I don't know, 10 or so people to, to come. Uh, some were more experienced than others in RP and you could tell from the writing, but... The problem was that there wasn't really any meaningful takeaway or meaningful conversations. A lot of the people just sort of said their, you know, they said said their small talk in character, and not a whole lot became of it. Even though I tried really hard to to push plot lines forward, I sort of got the sense that people were not giving me anything to work with. That there there was one guy there that that did uh, help out quite a bit, but. The great majority of the people that came, even though we had, say, 10, 15 people, they, they came once, and we had a decent bar night, you know, where I was able to assemble everyone, people made small talk in character, and that was sort of reassuring at the time, but nothing really became of it, and I could never assemble anybody after that. Uh, people just didn't really get anything enough from it. People didn't put, any, put anything forward. I mean, I say, like, in acting, you always want to progress the scene. And nobody really progressed the scene at that time. I see. So do you think that part of it was just from that inexperience then? You know, from some people, I really got the vibe that it was an experience and that they were interested. But from others, I just got sort of the vibe that they didn't care. Or that, you know, it, it might have just been shyness. Obviously, that's something I can, you know, you can always assume that might be what it is. But from some people, I just really got the, the, the sort of sense that they didn't want to be a part of this. Even though they agreed, they didn't really want to be part of it, or they just wanted to RP with the one person, you know, they had, and, and didn't really want to engage with the greater public, which is a shame. Um, you know, I'm not going to force anybody, but it, it really is it's a shame that I couldn't convince more people to, to step out into the light. And I feel like I could. I would just you know, need to be able to gather everyone together. Because I think the more people you gather together, the more, uh, the, the, the more, the greener the grass looks, I'll put it that way. The, the more welcoming the world seems. But 
the fact that there, you know, wasn't a whole lot of people there to begin with, and nobody really said much, it it didn't hurt the or it didn't it didn't help the the impression that I gave on people. Yeah, it can be rough to get storylines going in a small group because just like with interpersonal interactions, you're going to get along with some people better than others. And the more people that you have, the more likely you're just going to find someone who you can connect with, who you can see something in them, in their story, in their backstory that you can build on, and them with you. But with a small group, it's just going to be that much harder. And it seems like you had some people who were inexperienced in RP, some people who were experienced, but were just used to being reclusive with it, and they wanted to do their own thing on the side. And they weren't really meant to be the founding members of this community that you wanted to build. Exactly. Exactly. Um, hmm. And, you know, speaking of that sort of founding member to build around type of thing, you know, Diablos isn't really known for, for a whole lot, but the one thing that um, we do sort of have of note is that Wonder Sabaku has a, a stage reborn on Diablos. And... You know, I've I've heard about that, and I initially went there thinking, okay, this might be an RP hub. This, you know, might be something where I can meet people. And even though they do cool shows, and I really respect the work they do, it it's not really the RP hub that I had really wanted, or the RP community, because that's that's really not what they focused on. You know, when I talked to to Sabaku about it, it really wasn't. I I got the sense from my conversation with him that it that wasn't the direction he wanted to take, which is kind of sad because I would like to see that sort of network and that sort of outreach be able to bring the RPers from from their hidden uh, their hidden corners in in Diablos to be able to to create this you know it'll never be a large community it's not going to be Balmung but it's has the potential to be a nice little small community of people if I just had the networking to bring people together and people were willing to put their best foot forward and I had you know. I, w- I would just really need like two or three key people to be able to put their best foot forward and, b- and be really personable to be available to all people and be able to network and be able to do some PR and be able to do maybe some teaching. And if there was just that sort of core group of people to build more of a community around, to never be a large community, but to at least to be able to build a small community around. Yeah, I actually have an Altnonimo on Diablos and got to attend one of the meetings for Stage Reborn as well, and I can confirm it's a bit different. It's in a different vein than what roleplay is, where roleplay is improv. Stage Reborn sort of focuses on just preparing these performances where it's all, it's more like macros, it's all planned out from the very start. Yeah, yeah. And so so it's definitely different. But from what you were saying before, um, with it, the possibility of maybe gathering some people together, start up a small community. Do you see the server going in that direction? Do you think it'll go in that direction? You know, I think it is very possible. I think it would take the hard... I I think I would have to put in a lot of hard work, and I think it would take some compromises with some people. You know, I think it would take really the, the winning over of Sabaku because he has the outreach. The Stage Reborn has the notoriety... A stage reborn has the networking to to really bring lots of people in. I heard about them from a friend who doesn't care about RP, doesn't care about creative stuff at all, who's like a strictly like raider. But I heard about him like because he heard about them and he said, "Hey, these guys seem like your sort of people. They seem like creative, like RP people." Um, and even though they're not, the fact that they 
got the fact that they have outreach even to like it's just a pure hardcore you know first first world kill um type type of person means that they can connect with pretty much anybody um and that sort of networking would be the good thing to to build more of an rp community around because the people who go to those shows or go to those meetings are naturally going to be more creative minded and maybe if i could get some time to to speak or could leave, at least gather some people to talk at at one of those meetings or at least meet people around those uh, those shows and such it would maybe influence some of the the people who are interested in that theatrical side to rp or find some people interested in rp who you know are not really so interested in the, in the theatrical side it, it would be a really good way to bring all these people together. That is a possibility. Well, part of what we're trying to accomplish with these interviews is shedding light on those corners of FF14 roleplay that just don't get a lot of light. Now that people know that you're the Diabolos person who wants to RP. Oh, yeah. Now they'll know. And maybe they would like to come help you. Like, they'll come out of the woodwork, hopefully. <laughs> I, I would love for that to be the case. I mean, that would make me... So I would be delighted if if suddenly <laughs> out of the woodwork people people were coming on on Diabolus to to you know put their foot forward for RP and and such. Because um, I mean I've I've gotten somewhat hopeless at times. I've I've had that moment where I thought about the paid transfer to Balmung, but I, I want to believe that those people are out there on Diablos, and I want to try and sort of build this as a small community, at least a community that has some noteworthiness to it. That, that people can look and say, yes, there is some RP of some sort on Diablos. I would like to sort of have that reputation. Yeah. And we know that it's possible because I think that Lich is a great example of a small, thriving, you know, tight-knit RP community where everybody is able to have fun. So is there anything else you would like our listeners to know? You know, the, the big thing I want to impart on people is that, you know, you're listening to this podcast, so you're probably interested in RP in, in one way or another. But the best thing I can impart on you is is to, to take a chance. Maybe, you know, if you're, if you're shy about it or you're just starting or something, like, people are, are welcoming, and it takes hard work. I mean, lots of times I've thought about, about giving up this journey, uh, about trying to find people and, and so on and so forth, but I've found that perseverance and actually going to to work for creating something if something's not there has really been far more fruitful than looking for something that's left or looking for something that's not there you know trying to create something in a space where something's needed is usually the best resort rather than looking for a scrap of something awesome awesome i agree that if you can get this to work i imagine that the community that you can build on diablos is going to be so much more fulfilling and less stressful and more fruitful than anything that you can just find on Balmung right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, a small community can sort of have this relaxed feel that you can't really get from the, the overpopulatedness or the overpopulation problem of Balmung. And so a small community can in, a lot of times be more relaxing and more rewarding than having tons of people around you. At least that's what I think, but it's all a matter of, of making it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree too. And of course, we're here to support your efforts in any way that we can, but it all starts with this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thanks, Ike. No problem. 
And that wraps it up for our first two interviews. We'll be hearing from Nicole from the FAMFRIT server. Now, since we gave players the option to write in their responses, rather than come on the microphone with us, I will be playing the role of the interviewer. And I get to be the interviewee. <laughs> so just pretend I'm not Emmy anymore. I'm Nicole now. Hello, Nicole. Thanks for coming on the show with us. So why don't you give all of our listeners a short summary of your character, their name, origins, personality, main job, activities, hobbies, and what makes them unique and fun to play? Sure. I roleplay multiple characters and more are coming. Currently, I have Amethyst Walker, who is a petty thief girl from Cocoon, who became a lassie and has a tendency to be thrown across worlds by the paradox effect. I also roleplay as Zubstiersenvin, a sea wolf rogadin who is an elegant researcher. Her class is Dragoon, and personality is much more like an adventurer than a researcher. Then there's Sarnai Kagan, a polite, reserved Zela Ari mage, and Prima Septima, an elegant bioweapon who could best be compared to Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager, but not originally evil and not a drone, but rather a living weapon. <laughs> Very interesting. So you've got some original characters that all kind of play together. Now, what was your process for creating them, and how long have you had them in development? Good question. Amethyst was first, and she's been around ever since I started, which is a few years, I guess? Then, after I spent a good year or two playing as Substeer, I elected to create a side blog for her, drawing inspiration from Rita Mordio from Tales of Vesperia. I decided that Substeer needed a healing partner and a tank, so thus Prima and Sarnai were born. Very nice, very nice. So, do you also RP out of game in addition to on the Fanfret server? And where do you choose? Tumblr, Discord, or Heidel and Roleplayers Forum? Oh hell, I primarily roleplay out of game. I have a lot of experience on Tumblr and I'm getting my feet wet with Discord. So, other than RP, what else do you do while you're playing the game? Is it raiding, crafting, gathering, chocobo racing? Currently, my aim is to clear A9S, A10S, and A11S, both for clear's sake and to get some of my best in slot gear. I also am very close to unlocking the ability to make ebony lumber, which I plan to use to help fund Subshia's lab to be created in the new Stormblood area. Lore-wise, it makes sense, since science generally involves explosions at one point or another. <laughs> also, also, I want to get all war and magic classes capped on Substeer, so I can have lots of GC turn and bait, which means seals, which means money. <laughs> I really want to make Silv's lab appear in-game. Awesome, awesome. So let's talk about your history with RP. Have you ever done RP in other contexts or fandoms? Yes, my first ever RP character was a Final Fantasy XIII character. I constantly come up with ideas for characters of many fandoms, but fourteen is a great home since it's not too hard to imagine characters getting thrown there. Seriously, Eorzea just somehow lends itself to that. Yeah, I very much agree, and I'd like to think that that was purposefully done by its creators. <laughs> so what made you want to start with FF14 RP specifically? By the time I got the game, which was a year or two after Heaven's Word came out, I think, I was already pretty cozy with role-playing Amethyst, my 13 OC. I first played the game on a different character, but took a break for a bit and decided to start fresh. So I created Substeer and actually paid a lot of attention to the lore this time around. 
I really became fascinated by the Allegan lore, or lack thereof, and at the time I was also enjoying listening to playthroughs of Tales of Asperia. My favorite character from Tales of Asperia is the fiery genius mage Rita Mordio, who served to inspire Silvestre's personality and profession. However, I decided I wanted to go even more atypical and make her a dragoon instead of a mage. Thus, Silvestre was born. Of course, every dragoon needs their healer and tank, so I created Sarnai and Prima, especially having fun with the latter. Encouraged by my own interactions with other 14 blogs on Tumblr, I finally put Silvestre and her two friends out there. That is awesome to hear that you found support and inspiration in the community. So... In your stories, how closely would you say that you adhere to the canon of FF14? Do you consider yourself a loremonger? Hmm, that's a hard question to answer. I'd say I do a pretty good job of sticking to canon, save for moments where I'm in RPs with characters that are dead in canon as of late, such as Nail. I wouldn't say I'm a loremonger with every aspect of the game, but I do also love tearing apart this game's lore and eating it up. And almost the entirety of what Silvestre researches comes from headcanons I've made, from what little evidence we get regarding the Allegans. Seriously, there's a reason for that Allegans meme with Sid's face there. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely a fascinating subject. So, let's talk a little bit about your home server. On Famfreak, what would you say that most of the people on your server do? Is it known for anything special? Uh, for the most part, it seems to be a casual server, though it's not really hard to find raid partners and groups. Crossworld Party Finder is a huge help with things like Wondrous Tales. Sadly, Famfrit seems to have gained a lot of gill sellers over the past year, and most roleplay on the server seems to be erotic with no real following of lore or canon. Still, I like its casual environment, and the fact that there's only one legacy server in the Primal Data Center, if memory serves... That generally means I don't run into elitists all that often. Hmm, as opposed to the Aether data center, huh? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, with the two, is it two legacy servers there? Sargon Balmung, I think? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, what has been your experience right now RPing on Famfrit? What would you say is the size or number of active role players in the community? How frequently are there public events like bar nights, or fight clubs? And are people open to newcomers? Or do they tend to keep the events to themselves in small cliques? There is almost no roleplay on Famfrit that I've seen. And the few bits I have seen aren't even really roleplay in the sense that Musecast likes to think of. It is pure, unadulterated porn that doesn't follow lore yeah, and honestly doesn't belong so openly in a T-rated game. Even I get creeped out by it sometimes, and I am no stranger to role-playing smut. <laughs> That's really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never seen any role-playing events in the sense like everyone's a character and shenanigans ensue either. I have seen prayer nights, which I honestly think is more like people trying to bring Christianity into a Final Fantasy game. And there are sometimes real-world holiday events, like, for example, I partook in a Mardi Gras parade that was oodles of fun. But if there is any non-erotic RP on Famfrit outside of me and this nail role player I convinced to join Famfrit, then I'm not aware of it. I play a lot, so I think I'd be aware of it. Yeah, I, I honestly play too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's alright, and I do think that sometimes these social events 
can sort of blur the line between what's an RP event and what's not. For example, my free company on Gilgamesh, which has virtually no other role players, we always have parties for holidays, any holiday, Easter, Starlight, St. Patrick's Day. We just love having parties. <laughs> maybe the folks in my FC are acting as themselves, or maybe they're kind of sort of getting in character because they're kind of there as an avatar. So sometimes the lines do kind of blur because, you know, we are all still playing an MMORPG. So there are elements of RP that creep up into stuff, even if you don't realize it. So I'm wondering, are there any sort of player-run institutions in the housing areas that might also serve to kind of blur that line between social and RP? Things like bars or taverns or restaurants, cafes, bakeries? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Housing is not something that is discussed a lot in-game on my server, so there may be a few that I don't know about, but I doubt there is much since there's no real RP. However, Silvsteer's lab will soon become incarnate in-game, which will be something. Yeah, that will be something. So, even though there might not be a lot of RP on your server, when you do try to get it going, do you run into bullying or harassment? Maybe trolls or party crashers or unsolicited ERP tales? I personally have never been harassed, but I have walked into areas for other reasons and have seen, in chat, full-on ERP just going on with no regard about who is there. It's honestly really disturbing because you don't know who or what is on the other side of the screen. Hell, I'm aware of an entire free company that is dedicated to sexual acts, and I can imagine ERP is most certainly part of that. <laughs> yeah. At least the experiences haven't been outright negative. You know, there's some potential. So, what do you really wish was a little different or better on Famfret as far as RP? Do you think the situation could be improved by just having more people? or more events, or changing the attitudes? Honestly, I just want a good, clean, proper RP community on the server. Open link shells, good free companies that accept all, but also a line drawn between ERP and regular RP, dedicated link shells for everything, and also an unofficial code that keeps everything good and encourages people to try interesting things. Two big things for me are no Mary Sue or Gary Stu calling, and no bullying regarding people role-playing NPCs or forming relationships with NPCs. I don't need constant events or anything like that, just a nice space to role-play in. Also, at the same time, I expect that out-of-character things will still be nice. I do not want the casual friendliness of the server to be sacrificed in the name of role-playing. I cannot stand utter jackasses who see it fit to bully complete strangers for not playing a particular way or something of that nature. You post it like that, I can and will report you. Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah. I hope that you or maybe someone else on Fanfric can help to make it happen. And we're certainly always here for you in any way that we can at MuseCast. Yeah, definitely. It's been fun doing this. You can look forward to seeing more characters from me and more role plays with Amethyst, Silvstier, Sarnai, and Prima. You can find me on Tumblr at Amethyst Amy Walker with dashes between Amethyst, Amy, and Walker, and Keepers of Alag with dashes between those words as well. And if you want my Discord, you can contact me there. Thanks again, Nicole, and good job, Emmy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. 
So we had a lot of fun hearing from our interviewees. We certainly learned a lot from them. Yeah, we did. We found that there were a good number of similarities. And thankfully, I think we can conclude that even though there have been a good amount of challenges in trying to build roleplay communities on these servers, there is a lot of room for things to grow. Yeah, certainly a lot of potential. Definitely. And actually, we'd like to wrap up this episode with talking about our efforts to try and help the roleplay scene grow on one of the servers that we're part of, which is Lich. Yeah, very, very small. It's actually on the Chaos Data Center for EU. And a lot of the folks that we've met actually are in the UK. Yeah, actually, for those who might be wondering why in the world we decided to join an EU server, the reason why I decided to come to Lich, because I came to Lich before Remix made a character on there, I came to interact with a friend who I had met on Tumblr. A lot of these people we talked to had come to servers because there were friends there, of course, and mine was very similar except I wanted to roleplay, and so I didn't really have any ideas for an OC to bring over to the server, and I wanted to keep my main character, Scoot, on Gilgamesh, so I in the end decided to choose Nanamo and a friend of mine and a couple of other people decided to make alts from Gilgamesh and play over there. And gradually over time, this idea came to mind that we were going to create an FC and just have a place where people could freely roleplay as NPCs, which the whole NPC thing kind of was a novelty thing, you know? But in the end, that was why Remix ended up making a character. She heard about, about this FC and was interested. Yeah, and at that time, I was pretty new to being a loremonger, and my imagination had sort of been running wild in the back of my head. And I basically took the opportunity to express my ideas that I had specifically about Merlvib, a character who I was becoming inspired by and more fascinated by. And having done RP in the past in other fandoms, I thought, why not jump in here? And that's how I mean I met. <laughs> yep, that is. And uh, actually, at that point, roleplay on the server really wasn't a big thing. The reason why I joined was because Kiki was like, man, I really wish I could roleplay. And I was like, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's let's RP. And thankfully, since we joined the server about, what, a year? A little bit over a year ago? The roleplay community has grown a fair amount. To the point where I think it's it's pretty noticeable now. Yeah. I'm actually pretty impressed and inspired about how strong it is considering the tiny size of the server even by EU standards. Yeah, really. And we'd like to think that RFC, the Sultan Sworn, has played a small part in that. Yeah, I wouldn't say that we really started it, but I think creating NPCs and getting out there into the world gave people a chance to interact with characters who they knew. Like, oh, there's Anonimo! I can actually, like, you know, kneel before her or bow or something, and that starts a mini RP. And so... For those people, they sort of got a taste of roleplay, or people who wanted to start roleplaying now had somebody they could roleplay with. And those people ended up meeting each other, and got to know each other, and started interacting with each other there. And so the effect just kind of kept on going. Yeah, definitely a lot of credit should go to some of the other organizers that we've met and become friends with. And yeah. We're all definitely aiming to support each other. And there are actually some advantages to being on this small server that happens to have a nice RP community to it. Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest pros for me that I found even from the very, very beginning is that being on a small server 
where my main is on a very big server and my character is pretty prolific makes Lich a really nice place to just kind of rest and escape from being emoted at every time I appear somewhere. So it's it's really a nice way to to relax, to chill, and kind of have a little bit of a lower energy environment. So I, I find that really nice. Yeah, and one of the awesome things that has come up lately is that we're hearing about a certain Ward of the Mist, Ward 9, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Ward 9 of the Mist has turned into a sort of roleplay ward where there are a bunch of roleplay FCs. And actually, by the time that this episode airs, we will probably have moved to that same ward, to Ward 9 in Mist, um, just because we we really want that opportunity to to join that little roleplay hub within the mist which a lot of the servers a lot of the small servers don't have but you know here it's it's starting to develop we're starting to see people who use their houses for maid cafes and we used our house as part of a murder mystery night and so we're starting to see people designate their houses as semi-regular at this point but at least it's their roleplay spaces yeah, and I mean, it's a really nice feeling when you think that your neighbors are going to be approachable for like walk-ups and things like that. It's almost like this mini comfortable space that we can carve out for ourselves. Whereas when you're out in the world, you just assume that everyone thinks RP is lame. And actually for that reason, I think that's why I've seen people start to establish roleplay link shells. And there was even a roleplay related discord that promotes server events. On Lich. So it's so great to see that things are starting to pop up. Yeah, people are active there not just for promoting RP events, but for general social interaction and yeah. just running content. In that way, everyone kind of becomes friends. Exactly. Speaking of that sort of community where you can make friends with people, because it's so small, I found that that community has been very supportive and very closely knit when times end up getting rough. And yeah. here... Here, I would like to discuss what I would like to refer to as the Ilvert Affair. <sighs> Sigh. Yeah, this actually was probably my one of my most disappointing memories of playing Final Fantasy XIV. Basically, when I started the FC, the person who I ended up co-leading the FC with was part of an FC on my main. And there was server drama on my main character, on Scoot, that occurred over housing. And it was a dispute about, you know, I want to sell the house, I don't want to sell the house, what should we do with it? And as a result of this, the co-leader of mine, I'm, I'm not going to name him, but we're going to call him Ilbird because that's what I refer to him as now. <laughs> Ilbird decided that it would be a good idea to try and get petty revenge in the final word by taking it out on our alt FC, the Sultan Sworn. As a result, people who had nothing to do with the initial drama were kicked from the FC and a lot of our FC resources were spent and then transferred back over to Gilgamesh where they still remain. We were not able to get those back and honestly, like, that was just extremely crushing. Like, I remember just being in tears about trying to get all of our people back and all of the work that we had put into the FC and getting that back. But what happened was, people heard about it and... People from other FCs on Lich and people who I had already made connections with role-playing were extremely helpful in getting us back on our feet and up and running. They helped us redecorate our house. They helped us build an airship. 
because we were all alts and they knew we were all alts, but we had spent a lot of time trying to work and build up the FC. And they helped us rebuild, and I'm so thankful for that. On a larger server, that kind of would happen, but just the solidarity of everybody was so impressive, and I absolutely love the community on Lich. Yeah. From my perspective of the whole incident, I, of course, have been a part of this small FC with my alt since joining and creating my Merlweb clone character. As a result of that, that's how you became second in command of yeah. the FC was because of Wilbur. <laughs> yeah. So Emmy's former co-leader basically decided to over drama and a disagreement they had on Gilgamesh, take it out on everybody who was not even closely related to this fight. Just take it out on everybody on Lich. All of the, you know, this small community that we'd created took all the gill and the items from the chest, sold all the furniture also in, in the personal house you shared, and just did everything to basically just completely trash the place that they possibly could and then take that those assets over to Gilgamesh and then try to try to sell them. That is what happens. And all I know is that one day, like, I just get this Discord call from Emmy and, and she's in tears and she's like, I can't believe this happened. And this was basically someone that you were friends with and trusted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they did this while you were like away on vacation? They did. I was visiting my best friend over in Orlando and, you know, I couldn't do anything about it. I didn't know what had happened until I had gotten back after the fact. And all of a sudden, like, I couldn't teleport to the house. I thought the house was gone. And it was crazy. It was it was yeah. a mess, but I'm glad we, we were able to rebuild after that. Yeah, I mean, we bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, because even outside of what we do with RP... These kinds of things happen to all kinds of players, all kinds of FCs, and it's really unfortunate. And for the most part, like GMs can't do anything. So just please take precautions with the permissions that you give out with your FCs. Do it to people you trust, and even sometimes those people that you trust will betray you, but it happens. Just just be careful because there's not a lot of recourse that the GMs can give you. And, and two, because unfortunately out-of-character drama is probably some of the saddest stuff that I've seen happen in my RP experience. And there have been other times when I've seen people that do a lot of really fun, creative, inspiring RP together, and then something out of character breaks them apart. It's really sad times, and sometimes it's hard to to rebuild those connections and get back into that creative groove because your trust has been broken, you know, everything that you've built up story-wise is gone. But also three mainly, just to show that the one upside in all of this was feeling the amazing amount of support that we got from the Lich RP community. And just all the things that we did, they did for us from donating gill, donating crafters, because, you know, had this happened on our mains, yeah, we would have had lots and lots of assets to throw at them. But, you know, everyone knows that we're alts and, you know, we don't have that many crafters and we don't have that much money. You know, we only had a small house. And the only reason why we had that small house was because we transferred a bunch of gill over. So on the one hand, yes, you are on a small server, you have fewer people. If drama happens, people are going to know about it. And I can imagine, like, people ending up having to take sides in a small community just because of arguments that go on. But if something like this happens, I, I just love the effort that, that the community puts in, especially because it is so small and everybody knows each other and they're all so tight-knit and supportive. Yeah, ultimately, I feel that we were lucky that we ended up there. I think so. I, I'm very glad, and I would not regret having made the Sultan sworn on Lich. Absolutely. That being said, there are, of course, issues and limitations that come with making an RPFC on a small server, and especially one where 
well, everyone's got their mains on a larger server, so they're going to make an alt. It can be tough because people will just get distracted with their mains. You know, they're trying to grind raids and things like that. That's definitely happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like because there are a lot of people, especially in our FC, whose mains are on Baomeng and Gilgamesh, there's a lot more going on. There are events going on if you want to roleplay primarily. There are more raid opportunities on places like Gilgamesh. And so it seemed like we need incentives, things like special events, to draw people in and keep them active. And so as a result, we've had periods where FC members have gone inactive for a while until, of course, I decided to start planning events that our FC could host. And then the minute that news of that came out, people were like, yeah, I'm interested. Let's go ahead and try this. But because real life and in-game duties make that very difficult to do regularly, we've experienced periods where people have remained inactive for long amounts of time. And so, yeah, as of recent, we've started having weekly meetings to meet up and roleplay, and hopefully that'll help reinvigorate the FC and getting that out there. Yeah, of course, as the FC leadership, We've got to find ways to drive engagement and incentivize people because we know that people care about RPing and they care about these characters. It's ultimately just an issue of distraction, I feel like. And uh, it's really funny. One of the most active days that we've had on the Sultan Sworn was the day that Aether Data Center went down, you know, because of phishing. And everyone's like, Aether's down. Oh, oh, I've got this alt on Chaos. Let me go there. And I sign on and like there are like more people on than we've seen in like months. <laughs> Yeah, there's like, you know, six or seven people on there just like actively talking to one another. And it's so great when we have when we have people on there and people are talking because the dynamic between the people is great. It's absolutely great. But there's a lot going on on other servers. And that makes the incentive to play primarily on larger servers very, very tempting. For sure, for sure. And with that... We will conclude our episode covering small server roleplay. This was very interesting combined with the Baomong episodes. We hope it's given you an idea of what it's like to play on all different kinds of servers. And maybe you can choose which server you make your next character on for yourself. Yeah, we want to give many different sides of the story. But ultimately, I think what we would like to see is RP growing and thriving on all different servers. It's certainly already gotten there on Balmung, so hey, why don't we put a little bit of support behind the little guys? And we really appreciate all of the folks that volunteered to interview with us. At the same time, if you too are a small server role player, we know that there's more than three of you out there, so anytime that you want to write in to us, maybe come on the show, or just write in your responses as Nicole did, we will be happy to feature you. Maybe we'll do a second edition. Actually, what we were planning on doing was having a sort of segment each show where we promote different events that are going on on smaller servers. So if you happen to have an event, you can send us an email and we'll go over all that later. But yeah, keep that in mind. We will gladly promote your events that you have going on. Yeah. Anything that is not on Balmung, we are willing to promote. And that's, of course, nothing against Balmung. It's just that we know that that server already has more than enough resources for people looking for events. There is a good amount of promotion of Baomong events, and you don't see that very much on smaller servers, so we're here for you guys. Yep, doing everything that we can. 
in addition to everything that we're doing on Lich with our own RP. So what have we been up to since our last episode? What have we been up to? I guess I really have not been doing a whole lot. I've been grinding Palace of the Dead, but that really doesn't make for a good story. (laughs) Every, Every show, we give an account of something that has happened between now and the time that we did our last episode. Uh, just because we love the game, it can be in character, out of character, anything like that. Just something interesting that happened. I guess the most interesting thing that happened to me over the past, like, two weeks would be that I got Scoot the Moonlift Dance. And I make a lot of dance macro videos. We've talked a whole lot about, like, I made a dance macro. I performed on stage. Well, yeah, so I've been wanting to get this dance for a while. A long, long while, and after a good amount of Beast Tribe grinding, I finally ended up getting the Moonlift Dance, and then I proceeded to go Moonlift in front of everybody I knew, uh, which was pretty fun, and so now I'm working on a new video for that. But working on Beast Tribe Quest gave me a good amount of insight into the story and the world, and I didn't think I would get as, as involved as I did with the story behind the Beast Tribe Quest, and in particular, the, what is it, the Vath tribe? Uh-huh. It's a very, very cute story. If you have not done it, like, you know, Beast Tribe quests, yeah, they're monotonous, but the story behind the Vath tribe is just wonderful, and I love the, the characters that they've done, and, like, the Vath deft arm is absolutely adorable, and, yeah, if you haven't done the Beast Tribe quests, I would recommend that you do them. Like, yeah, they're boring, I used to only have the Moogle tribe unlocked because I needed to level crafters. But if if it's only to get the dance, like, sure, go ahead. But take a look at the story behind each, each Beast tribe quest because they're very good. Yeah, I'm also one of those people that has largely ignored Beast tribes other than the Moogles. But actually, I was thinking that once Stormblood comes out and I will be leveling Red Mage... That would be a nice way to get EXP and avoid those horrible DPS queues. So that's my yeah. plan. <laughs> it gives you an experience boost. Like, at least, you know, at least you'll be doing them. And honestly, I thought the Moogle tribe was the most annoying out of any of them. But, <laughs> you know, it's still very good. Like, all all of the Beast tribe quests are are pretty good. So go ahead and do them if you like. And if you do, pay attention to the story would be my recommendation. Yeah. I would say pay attention to the story no matter where you are. <laughs> in yeah, general. that's that's also <laughs> true. But then again, we're huge lore nuts. Yeah. That's one of these reasons why I'm doing all of these story replays and my plan is to do it with four different characters just right now, but who knows, maybe in a year or so I'll do a fifth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So my story for the past couple of weeks, will also involve some adventures on the Lich server with the Sultan's Warren Free Company. But this particular adventure has to do not with RP, but with housing. More that- housing drama <laughs> on the Lich yes. server. We've yeah. had enough of that. Oh man. Yeah. We're looking forward to it being over. But we had mentioned before that we noticed that in Mist Ward 9, was becoming a nice concentration of role players, and we also got a tip from one of our friends, the organizer of Silver Valkyrie events, Morgana Brown, 
that a certain medium house seemed to be going inactive and would be up for destruction. And we said to ourselves, hmm, it would be really nice not only if we could upgrade to a medium, but become part of the RP ward. So that's our hope. That's our that's our ultimate goal. Wish us luck. Yeah. Because we still don't know if, if we'll end up getting that house, but we're going to try our hardest. Yeah. So, of course, we've got to find a new home for our existing house in Mist Ward 1. And as far as selling a house, of course, we're not doing this to make a huge profit, not to make any kind of racket. We just, we want to upgrade and we've got to get enough money in the sale of the house to cover the difference between the upgrade and our FC savings. Also, we've only got experience so far with housing on Gilgamesh, which is pretty cutthroat, but also the market's really, really active and any house you've got for sale is probably going to be sold within like 20 minutes of you putting up Party Finder. It was not that way on Lich. As we've said before, it's quite small, even by EU standards. And I had Party Finder up for hours and hours out of the day during prime time in the EU for at least a week. And the amount of responses that we were getting just even from people interested in making a deal was very slight. So it was becoming close to the deadline where we would have to relinquish our original free company house. And we were getting kind of nervous, like how much more do we have to lower the price? You know, we've got to make up the difference, but geez, people are saying that they can't afford seven or eight million. You know, we thought that was a very fair price, whereas, you know, we know they're small in the mist on Gilgamesh would be at least 20 million, mm -hmm. you know, and also would be gone way faster. So finally, I'm online basically during the afternoon while working from home because I knew I had to be on in the afternoon um, for it to be nighttime in the EU. So Emmy is actually at work during this time and I'm on with Merlva. I get a buyer and I say, OK, you're very excited about it, too. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I was oh, like, yes, finally. we have a buyer. <laughs> yeah. So the way that I was advised to do the deal was that the buyer would give me half of the money up front. They offered eight million. So they traded me four million. And then I went about and destroyed the house and relinquished the property. At that point, they have to go buy the plot from the game itself and pay three million to the game to secure themselves the plot. And then they would trade us the extra four million. Basically, by doing half and half, each of you assumes a little bit of the risk. Yeah, we risk that they would not give us the last four million, but they also risk by paying up front that we would never relinquish the house. But exactly. this person seemed pretty trustworthy and I thought everything was going to go really well. But when they went to purchase the plot, they found they couldn't. <laughs> yeah, because this person actually was trying to buy a second personal house. <laughs> the game only limits you to one personal house. Yeah, which is really more than fair considering some of the rackets that come up with housing. But I didn't know what to tell this person. I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe you should research this before going out uh, seeking a second house. And there's really nothing I can do for you at this point. So at this point, I am, you know, on the job and my job allows me to make deliveries um, to people. So I'm just sitting in the passenger seat of a company van, um, just on our way to deliver something. And I see this discord message. And Remix at this point is just panicking. What do I do? <laughs> I relinquished the house, but the buyer can't buy it. And so now I have this gill and I don't know what to do with it. And do I rebuy the house or do I try and get somebody to buy it instead? What do I do here? And so it was, it was very panicked from what I read. 
And meanwhile, our neighbors, <laughs> one house over, which are a French-speaking FC, they start swarming the plot. And I have to be in say, like, please don't buy. You know, we're trying to figure out what to do with this buyer. And if we don't sell the plot, we won't have enough for our new house. And that was genuinely it. Mm-hmm. But technically, there's nothing I can do to stop other people from buying the plot. All I knew is that if we didn't get a little bit more money, we wouldn't be able to afford even just the plot price for the medium. And so I don't know what to do. I'm messaging other people in Lich, whoever might be on, like, like, geez, uh, can you buy this personal? It, it turns out that Nanamo couldn't buy it because she owns a personal and Merva couldn't buy it because she's not a high enough grand company rank because I need like a million billion seals still. And Emmy and I worked out in our panic state while she's at work. Look, it's better if we keep the money that was given to us and not rebuy the house because we're not sure, even if we rebuy it, that the house will sell in the little time we have left because we know that the housing market here is not that active. So eventually we decide we have to let the house go. Whoever's going to buy it is going to buy it. It actually ended up being one of those neighbors who swarmed the house <laughs> from the French-speaking FC. <laughs> and, you know, they kind of lucked out in this deal. But the buyer was honest enough to understand that... We had been kind of screwed here. So they actually ended up giving me another 2 million gil just out of the goodness of their heart. And because they understood our situation and they understood that we had given them the fair deal and they got unlucky. Yeah, but it was their mistake. It ended up costing them 5 million for nothing, but they didn't want to see us screwed over. And they were honest enough to at least try to make up a little bit of the difference. That was very nice of them. Yeah. So... I'm appreciative of that. It does go to show maybe the kindness of the Lich server in general, I would like to think. <laughs> you know, it's hard to imagine on a more cutthroat place. Not to badmouth Gilgamesh, but we know how it is. Yeah, that market on Gilgamesh is just, it's housing savage. It really is. Yeah. So at least we should have enough to cover our upgrade. And maybe we'll have to grind a little bit more if we want to furnish the place. I mean, there's a lot that goes into building an FC house. <laughs> But at least, at least we have somewhere to start with. Yeah, and the only person that lucked out in the situation was the neighbors across the street because they got a free plot. <laughs> they only had to pay three million. So at the end of the day, I had to be well. Congratulations to that person. But yeah, that was that was a little bit of a of a drama filled hour or so <laughs> until the situation was resolved. Yeah, but I'm glad it was, and you know, at least we have enough to be able to afford a medium. So here's hoping that our future endeavors go well. Yeah, and of course, all of you listeners are invited to come join us. Visit us on Lich. <laughs> yes, but we won't tell you where just yet. We're going to keep that a secret. Yeah. Actually, maybe we can tell them, but I guess it depends on if we get it. So we'll tell yeah. you next episode if we get it. We'll see. It. We'll see. Now, the moment that I'm sure many of you have been waiting for, it's time to announce the winner of our latest giveaway. Oh, right. We were giving away a set of three different decals, as I remember, with the Grand Company logos. Yes. I purchased those from an Etsy seller called Cyben Sundries when I was at KupoCon a few months ago, which is a really nice event. And of course, we love you listeners and are always happy to give you free stuff when resources allow it. <laughs> So, the idea behind most of our giveaways is that all we ask in return is that you share one of our episodes. Just get the word out about any episode that you particularly enjoyed, and if you share more than one episode on your social media accounts, on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr, that's one entry 
into the giveaway. So, who's our winner? Our winner this time is Ganon Dwarf of Gilgamesh. Yay! Yay, a friend of ours on the Gilgamesh server and also a member of the MuseCast Discord channel. Yes, that's right. They are part of our MuseCast Discord. Maybe we can somehow advertise that on our blog post. Yes. Later on. Yes, congratulations to them. Thank you for sharing three of our episodes on your Tumblr. <laughs> oh, wow! Thank mm -hmm. you! Yeah, see? The more you share, the more chances to win. So we'll be contacting you for your mailing address. And we'll also be giving away the last of our Roleplay is My True Endgame stickers from FanFest. <laughs> Aw, those stickers are really cool. Yep. Can't wait for the next FanFest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We also have one more exciting announcement. We are very quickly approaching the one-year anniversary of the beginning of MuseCast. <gasps> yes, we're turning one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're still so young. We are babies. Yeah. It was way back on April 27th, 2016. 2016. God, what year is it now? We I'm can math. <laughs> <laughs> we can do math, guys. Yeah. April 27th was the day we released our first episode on the iTunes store. It seems like it's been such a short amount of time since yeah. then, though. Well, it was actually longer than that, that we were discussing the idea. And in March, the domain name renewal came up in my email. It was basically a little bit of a process to get started, to learn how to audio edit the first episode without having any experience, to wait to get on iTunes, which is a process in itself, to set up the website, to do everything we needed to do. But that was the day that we officially launched, so I like to think of that as our birthday. I think it's a good it's a good birthday. Yeah. So yeah, to celebrate, we are going to have a special anniversary live stream. Yes, on our Switch channel, twitch.tv slash musecastxiv. This is going to be on Sunday, April 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern or 3 p.m. Pacific. So in the same time slot that we also do Sunday storytime stream hosted by me. <laughs> And hopefully soon Emmy will be joining a couple of those streams as well. I hope so. So my suggestion is that you go to twitch.tv slash musecastxiv now and give us a follow so that you can be reminded and also catch some of our other streams. Yeah, and if you like, you can drop in and ask us questions and tell us how much you love Musecast. Yeah. Or how much you hate it and we'll just cry all stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Of course, the real advantage of the live stream format is being able to interact with listeners in the chat and having people write in and being able to converse live. So anybody who has enjoyed any of our content or just has more questions and wants to get a hold of us, please join us April 30th, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And if you don't want to forget, give us a follow now. And find out all of our deepest, darkest secrets when you join in for the live yep. stream. <laughs> we will hold nothing back. Well, not everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for that. As am I. So, of course, in addition to our Twitch, you can find us where? You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you'd like to listen to more of our episodes. You can also find us on our website at www.musecastxiv.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Our name there is very similar, MusecastXIV. Or you can find us on Twitter at MuseCastXIV. We are very creative. Yes, and also on Tumblr, MuseCastXIV. Yes, well, that's the same as our website, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The website runs on Tumblr, so whether you are a Tumblr user or not, 
you can interact with us there. But if you are, you can give us a follow. Exactly. And that's the first place where new episodes are posted. That's also the place where if you like what you've heard, you can donate to us on our Patreon or our PayPal. And there are links on our website there. Click on the shiny buttons on the right side of the page, I believe. Yep. And yeah, if you would like to donate to us on a recurring basis every month, you can donate to us on Patreon where, among other things, you can listen to our episodes before they are released and also get access to bonus content, things that we've wanted to talk about but just didn't have the time to do. You can also do a one-time donation on our PayPal, which, again, go to our website and click on the shiny buttons. Yes, they are now officially shiny. And we promise that all of the funds are either going to cover the expenses of the podcast or will be reinvested in the show in things like purchasing prizes. We're doing this for the love, but of course you can show us that you love us back with money. <laughs> we sound like true dons. Yes. Give us your money. <laughs> well, we kind of are. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Considering who I roleplay as. <laughs> At least one of us is. Yeah. Well, me personally, outside of any of my RP, my favorite city is Ulda. That should be a question I ask people on, on future interviews. Yeah. What is your favorite city state? And why is it Ulda? <laughs> what do you mean it's not? What? <laughs> How can this be? <laughs> Limsa Lamenta, that's a weird way to spell Ulda. <laughs> oh, man. But either way, whether you donate or not, we love you just for listening to us. Indeed. Now, what are we going to be talking about in our next episode? We are talking about roleplay events, I believe. If you are interested in learning how to start a roleplay event, maybe how to act at a roleplay event, um, anything you want to know about roleplay events, we're talking about that next. Yeah, if you'd like to answer our call to action and try to promote RP on your server, an RP event is a great way to start, but there is a certain method to making an event successful both beforehand and during and how to get engagement in the community as a result. So we're going to go over all of that with tips from ourselves and some of our friends who've also run events in the past. Yes, and speaking of roleplay events, we were talking earlier about promoting RP events. So if you have an RP event that you are hosting on a server that is not Baomeng and would like to promote it on the show or on our website, you can let us know by sending us an email at newscastxiv at gmail.com. Yeah, or contacting us through any of the social media channels which we previously announced. Or you can find us on Discord, which we will have a link to somewhere on this episode. Yeah, if you want the link to Discord, you can find it on the website MusecastXIV under Contact. It's a great little chat room, if we do say so ourselves. <laughs> yes, if you need any help on any sort of lore or just want to have in-character interactions with people who are not necessarily... The people who you interact with in-game, this is a good place to go to. Yep. Just a little something extra that we like to do for the community. So we hope to see you in Discord, and if not, we will see you next time. Until then, take care, adventurers. Yep. See you next time. Thanks for listening to MuseCast 14. Tune in next time, and we'll be discussing in-game roleplay events. Happy adventuring! And may you ever walk in the light of the crystal.